seen that video in some time, and um, I'm thankful, thankful the Lord does. Uh, 19 years ago, I was a bartender at Applebee's in El Dorado, Arkansas. Never been to church in my life, and two teenage boys knocked on my door one night and uh, invited me to church. They gave me a track. One of them was a preacher's son. He said, you know, we want, want to invite you to this church, and uh, I told him I would try to come. And if anybody ever tells you they're going to try to come in Philadelphia, it is a 98% lie. In Indiana, it's a 94% lie. You're better people here in Indiana. But it's usually a lie. They're not going to try. I usually tell them now at the doors in Philly, especially, I say, did you try to eat breakfast this morning? And they say, no, no, I did. I said, well, you decided, didn't you? I said, why don't you just decide right now you're going to come? And, uh, and they sometimes get bothered by that, but that's okay. I got Puerto Rican women with me to protect me just in case. And Puerto Rican ladies don't mess around. They'll, 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 they'll fight to the death over there, Pastor. No, but uh, anyways, I'm glad that I, but they kept coming back to my house four weeks in a row. I'd find gospel tracks on my door, and I finally went. And I got born again. Amen. God changed my life. He said, that's not good Indiana English. That's good Arkansas English. Amen. I got born again. He changed my life. I've never been the same, and I thank God for it. And best thing I ever did was go to Philadelphia. I did not want to, uh, but God called me there. I knew that from the word of God. And uh, God will call you to do a lot of things you don't want to do or don't like to do, but you'll never be in the will of God if you do not do what he wants you to do. And, and that's very important to understand that today. And so I'm thankful for what he did, gave us that old bar. We were able to fix it up. Took us longer than I ever would have thought it would. But, uh, you know, three, four years later, 100% uh, debt-free, probably had over $350,000 put into that building. Our church gives $2,000 a month towards it. Other people have helped us out through the years. Miracles have happened. People have dropped uh, $50,000 checks off and things like that. And we just prayed that God would do it. And it is, it is a beautiful place. And God has blown in big time. And I, I thank the Lord for that. He's taught me a lot in the, in the inner city. I've never been to a place like I'm at. Now, he, he, does, he describes it to you. But if your car broke down in my neighborhood, uh, you would be very, very terrified to get out and start talking to people. But the honest truth is, you get out and started talking to them about this, they, they melt in your hand like, like a hot butter in knife. I mean, I mean a hot, uh, like hot, a hot knife in butter. Uh, and it's just amazing. Yeah, I was going to sound a lot better. I was like, man, it's going to sound really cool when I say this. And I messed the whole thing up. But, um, you know, gospel works. And I've, I've, I've had two people in 13 years argue with me at a door. And, and they, were, they were worthless uh, to even try to talk to. They had their mind made up a long time ago. Uh, but I thank God for the gospel and how it does stuff and works. We're in the middle of your Faith Promise uh, Missions uh, Month. And I hope that you're praying. I tell our folks to, we ought to be agonizing over it on our knees, begging God to do something through us that he would not give to us. And God gives to, through you what he will not give to you. And God wants that. And it has to be to give by faith. You cannot scrape it out of the cushions of your couch. That doesn't take faith to do that. To give by faith, it can't be something that you can take 30 seconds and just say, boom. No, faith has to be above and beyond what you can do. Uh, and the Lord wants to. And that's not being silly. I've had ladies through the years. I had a lady one time come up and said, Pastor, I'm doing it. I'm giving $300 a week to missions. And I said, well, how much do you make? And she goes, about $400. And I said, well, you can't give $300 to missions. If you, how much is your rent? She goes, 
God's going to take care of it. And I said, no, he's not. That's that. And, and I kind of, I'm kidding with you about that, but I thought, you know, don't, don't, you got to be careful, but you want to trust the Lord in it. And I hope that you're praying about that. Uh, you guys all have poker faces, so I can't tell if you're praying about it or not, or if I'm even getting through to you, but we'll get through to you. The Lord will do that. And so pray about that. Ask God to help you because without him, you can do nothing. That's what he says. That's not what I say. And so it has to be him. We've talked about it in Sunday school. What we're missing in our churches is the power, power of God. The power of God only comes through his power, through, through submitting to him and getting on our faces and begging for him to do something. So I hope that you will pray about that and do that. And, and I like uh, Pastor Morasco saying, you know, wait to the end. Wait till God speaks to you. And, and, uh, and he, he kind of misstepped on that and said, me and my wife prayed and got confirmation. No, we're waiting to the end. You're going to have to pray again, get some confirmation again after this message. Amen. And so let's take our Bibles today. He said, why are you talking so long? Praying about what to preach at this point because I, I thought I had it, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and change. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 27. Matthew chapter number 27, and uh, we'll ask the Lord to, to help us here in just a moment, and to not help us, ask the Lord to give us the message and to preach through us. I hope that you'll listen, I hope that God will speak to you. You know, you know what God wants to do every time you wake up and, and start, start walking around your day? He wants, to, he wants to be the president of your life. Adrian Rogers, old Southern Baptist preacher years ago said, he does not want to be the resident. He wants to be the president, and 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 we're often, if and many times, uh, and and so often in this day and age we live in, God's just a resident. You give him the front room, but the rest of the house is off limit. He wants to do something with us. So I came to preach. I hope that the Lord can use it. Let's all stand in honor of the reading of the word, if you're able to. Uh, just in case some of you aren't coming back tonight, we're going to preach two hours today, just to get it all in right now. No, I'm only kidding. Matthew chapter number 27. Verse number 27, the Bible says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him. And took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. Him they compelled to bear his cross. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you for allowing us to be in church today. Thank you, Lord, that we're able to be here. Thank you for all that you do in our life. And God, I pray that today would be no, no different, Lord, that we would be able to get under the spout where the glory comes out. Lord, we'd be able to hear from your spirit, hear from your word. And Lord, we would be changed to the point that it would change our life. And we would leave here different. We would never be the same again because of the preaching and teaching of the word of God and allowing it to penetrate into our hearts and to change everything that we had uh, previously had in our life. God, it would be a, a monumental 
day in the house of God because of you, Lord. Please help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. He said, did you pray that just for us? No, I pray that every service, every time I preach, that God would change our life. But listen, folks, we, the day of just, just having a humdrum Christianity is, is really got to be gone. We're in the last days. These people are dependent upon us, and God loves them and, and wants to do something. I said this in Sunday school. I did not go to Philadelphia because I had a burden for them in Philadelphia. I, I really didn't. When you saw that video of those police cars, we were sitting in our church that night. And there were some guys from, from uh, Washington visiting, doing a missions trip. And they happened to have a good camera. And all of a sudden, we heard boom, 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 about, about 19 shots. And, and, and they go, was that gunshots, Brother Burton? I said, it was. And then a matter of two minutes, no joke, 21 cop cars were right there across the street from the church. So we took them cameras out and started videoing, and it turned out an undercover police officer had just gotten shot out there, and, and he was trying to do something. And so it was, it, was, it, was, it was amazing to them, but I've been in that neighborhood for 13 years, and there's been so many things that have happened. But I'll tell you this, God loves those folks in that neighborhood, or he wouldn't have sent me. And, and he didn't send me because I could do something super unbelievable. He sent me because he could do something super unbelievable through anybody that would surrender their life and be used of God. And so we're talking about the Christian life today, and you're not called to Philadelphia, uh, most likely. Uh, you know, you're probably not, uh, God has not called you to the inner city, but he has called you to do something. And he has called you to reach the world with him. He said both in Jerusalem and Judea and, and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And God wants to use the local New Testament church to do that. Uh, that's his vehicle that he's chosen. We talked about that in Sunday school. He, he has chosen us. I thank God for that, that, that he, he allows me to be able to serve him. I, I count myself one of the uh, most blessed people on the face of the earth, Brother Morasco, because of where he sent me. He said, well, I wouldn't count that a blessing. Well, he sent me somewhere that God thought that, that maybe I could use him to do something. I mean, it's incredible the fact that he would even think that I could go there and do anything. And God has been able to do something and still doing it and still have to keep getting right every single day of my life. I've got to get right. I had to get right this morning. I mean, God has to, I, I want to be the one that God's able to use. And listen, I want to see, I want to see supernatural. When I die, I want my kids to say, man, daddy was real. He kept getting back up when he failed. He apologized a lot. And God did use my dad. That, that's what I'd like. And, and the first three are more important than the last one, Brother Morasco. I want my kids to say, my dad kept getting right. My, I've apologized to my kids hundreds and hundreds of times uh, for, for inaction or missteps that I've taken. But listen, it's all because God and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And I want to do something for him that shakes the world. Not so people can say, oh, Brother Burton in Philly, he's something. Because nobody's ever going to say that. I'm, I'm tucked up in the middle of a city with 1.6 million people in the middle of the ghetto. But I tell you this, God notices that. And God wants to notice that here in Portage, Indiana. And wants to do something supernatural. And it begins today. It begins right now. So it began 10 years ago. Well, I can't look back. 10 years ago today it begins with us what God wants to do and as we look at this passage of scripture one of the the 
best things God's ever, I'm going to give you the best thing God ever spoke to me about, Brother Morasco, just, just and, and had no intentions of preaching that, but I got to watch that video, man, and, and I remember when I said, I did not come to reach a hundred, we came for the city, God called me to start churches in the inner city of Philadelphia, and, and believe me, I, I, it's impossible to do anything. But God gave us that old bar, and now it's beautiful. People were sitting in it this morning. Hopefully somebody got saved in it. People will be sitting in it tonight. People will be sitting in liberty tonight, and lives are being changed. And, and, it, and it's not because of a man. It's because of the power of God and what he does. And it's because of, of surrender. And today I want to talk to you about that, and I want you to see this. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, we come to the, one of the most Powerful stories to ever be told. At the end of every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we come to something that's so incredible, so unbelievable that, that it's a timeless story, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It's amazing how many times we can watch the same movie and be entertained. How many times we can hear the same joke and laugh. How many times we can do the same stuff and be entertained, but when we come to the Gospels, when we come to the crucifixion, how many times have you read through it without an ounce of empathy for what God did for us? I'm right there with you. That's why I know it happens. And we can read through that and get through these our Bible reading and, and see this. And, and listen, it's unbelievable how he hung on that cross for you and me. Uh, young people, they put nails in his hands. And, and listen, I get a, a, a paper cut, and I wanted to give up. They put nails in his hands, and, and as he saw that nail go in, he was all man, but he was all God, and he did that for you and me. They put him in his feet. They, they pulled his beard out. They took a cat of nine tails and, and would have glass and metal and, 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 uh, and, and bones and different things that were sharp, and they would hit him on it, on the back with it. And, they, and, and listen, we don't know this because of movies. We know this because of history. This has been happening. The Romans have been doing that to people for years and years. And literally, it would stick in the back of people. And the Bible says his visage was marred more than any other man. Uh, and Isaiah, and the visage is his body. Marred more than any other means he took the beat down of a lifetime. The, nobody's ever been beaten like that. The Bible says he wasn't even recognizable as a man. Why did he do that? He did that for you and me. And we come to this passage of scripture. He's already had the cat of nine tails. They, they said that they could, the people, the historians have said that you could see his insides. I mean, he was, he was, they couldn't recognize him from a man. What does that mean? He was, he was marred. And he did that for you and me. And that's a story that we get tired of. Hey, hey, tell me about the cross. Tell me how he, he took his last breath. Tell me how he, he said, Father, forgive him. Tell me how I thirst. And tell me how he, he, he did it for you and me. He died for the murderer. He died for the thief. He died for the whoremonger. He became the thief. He became the murderer. His sin, the sins of mankind were laid upon him. Man, what a blessing to know somebody did that for you and me. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. It's a timeless story. And when we come down to it, we see this, and we understand they spit upon him. And listen, I've never had anybody spit upon him. I heard a story about Brother Hiles, somebody walking to an airport, some kid and spitting in his face, and Brother Hiles didn't do nothing about it. Now, I'm growing older and getting closer to Christ, I think, hopefully. And I think today I might be able to handle it. But you'd have caught me a few years ago. There's no way. 
There's no way I would let that happen. And they did it to our Savior. Hey, they, they beat him and they, they mocked him. And people are still mocking him today. But let me tell you something about that story. It was a wonderful story. And as we look at it today, we see in verse number 32. And the Bible says in verse 32, and as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. You know what the word Simon means? It means to hearken and be obedient. It's an amazing thought when you think of that with Peter being Simon. Uh, and he, he didn't really hearken and wasn't obedient, but eventually he did hearken and was obedient. It took some things in his life. And in this day, as Jesus Christ is walking by with that cross, the Bible says that this man Simon helped him carry his cross. If we were to look at it in the book of Mark, we would see that he helped him carry it. He got under the cross and he carried it for him. I want to talk to you about that today and just a little bit, just for a little bit of time. I believe this, and listen, not the inspired Bible. It doesn't tell us this, but some historians have wrote about this man, uh, Simon of Cyrene, and, and, and had said some pretty impressive things that they think he might have became a preacher in Ethiopia and went around reaching people and doing things for God. I don't know if that's true or not. I know this book is true. And so, listen to me today. This man surrendered his life for the Lord. I want to ask you this question today. I know everybody is staying tuned with me, and this is, not, this, is, this is very important that you think about this. When's the last time you surrendered your life to God? I, I'm, just, I'm just asking now. When I, when I first got saved, Brother Morasco, they took me to teen camp. Uh, about eight months after I got saved, they said, Bert, we want you to be a counselor. You know, I was still messing up, man. I was still trying to get out of my old life, and, and I was growing as a Christian, but not real well. I still was a drug addict. I was still drinking. Not a lot. I was, I, I was off and on. I was trying my heart. The Holy Spirit was inside of me. He was telling me to quit, and I would try, and I'd mess up. And, 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 when, and they said, I want you to be a counselor. And when I went to camp, I went to uh, Comfort, Texas, down in the bottom of Texas, San Antonio. Uh, hot, 110 degrees, and they didn't have ACs, and the, 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 the walls were screens. It, it was so hot. It was, you'd wake up in the middle of the night and think the devil was right next to you, like with a pitchfork, just sitting next to you. It was so hot. Uh, it, it was hot. And, and when I went there, they, this man named Cecil Ballard preached. Maybe, maybe you know Brother Ballard, and Brother Ballard's a, a great preacher, and he, I'd never heard anybody beside my preacher preach. Cecil Ballard preached. Man, he... He was, he was funny, but he had, he had great messages. I still remember messages he preached that first year of camp. And I thought, you know, I'm here to be a counselor, and I was a counselor. I had the best time of my life at camp that year. But when the altar calls would happen, it was amazing, Brother Morasco. Ten people didn't come. Two hundred people came out of four hundred. I mean, the, the altars were so full, you couldn't walk down. The people had to stop back in the aisle. I'd never seen an altar call like that. I'd never seen people crying at the altar. I'd been in church eight months in my church in El Dorado, and the same ten people that went to the altar every Sunday is all that went to the altar. And they were good people. But boy, those altars were full, and I thought, man, what is that? And Brother Weedo said, Burton, they, they're, they're surrendering their life. I'm like, that's incredible. Hey, when's the last time... You surrendered your life. He said, well, Brother Burton, that's for teenagers and kids. 
Well, that's, that's absolutely not true. No, they'd be emulating what we do. That's, what they're, that's what's happening. Uh, when's the last time that you came to this altar and you were tore up about something? Where God wanted something and it was a good thing. You understand when God tells you to do something, it ain't like he ain't putting you in handcuffs. When you start thinking like that, boy, I tell you, your heart's cold. When's the last time you came to the altar and, and made a mind-altering, life-changing decision? where it took some time, where, where it wasn't 10 seconds and you went back. You went down here for 10 seconds thinking about the pot roast. You went back to your seat. So how do you know people think about pot roast at the altar? Because I used to be 320 pounds. As a big boy, I liked all of the pot roast. There have been many times I've been at the altar and I didn't think about nothing but me just because I knew I needed to go down there. Hey, listen, I couldn't figure it out, Brother Marasco, and I wondered, I thought, what, what's the difference? And so you don't have to turn there, but if you want to turn there, Proverbs 24, 5 or 25, 4, one of them, it says, take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Uh, surrender. Why are we talking about surrender? Because I believe Simon Cyrene surrendered his life that day, and I'm going to prove it to you in just a moment. But listen to me. The Bible says, take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. God was not trying to teach us how to make uh, plates and spoons and trying to teach us how to make fine jewelry in the Bible. No, it's always a, a spiritual application that God had for us. Dross, if you know anything about silver, when you get silver, they mine it out of the ground. They get it out of the ground. Back in these days, they would take the silver, and they still do it the same way, just a little bit more technology. They take the silver out of the ground, they would put it in a big cauldron or a big pot, and they would, they would heat it up. And as it would heat up, that silver would begin to melt, and then impurities would begin to come to the top of that cauldron. It would be on the bottom and you'd see the silver bubbling and then you would see the, 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 the dross or the impurities floating to the top. And they would take a tool and they would swipe the top of it and take all the impurities out of that dross and then they would let it cool off and they would repeat the process seven times. And the Bible says, take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. The silver is, is us. The dross is the impurities. And the vessel that God wants to make, is the, he's the finer. He's the one doing it. He's the guy doing the thing. And, and that's what God does with us in our life. He heats us up to get out the impurities, to get out the things. Sometimes it heats us up when a preacher comes or when your preacher preaches in the Bible and it starts hitting you and you start thinking and you get plugged in. Hey, I like to come to church and get plugged in. I like when God speaks to me and breaks me down. I like when my toes get a little bit messed up because of the preaching. I've never left the house of God saying, man, I can't believe he said that to me. And listen to me. God starts doing that. And why aren't people surrendering? Because of the impurities. It's a fact of life. Our flesh keeps us from surrendering to God. The Bible says, uh, matter of fact, take your Bible to turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 2 real quick. Thought I had that one memorized in my brain, but just kind of relapsed there. <laughs> 2 Timothy 
2 Timothy 2.21 says, If any man therefore purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Now there's the word vessel again. Take away the draws from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the fire. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. If any man therefore purge himself of these, what's he talking about purging? Dross, wood, hay, stubble. He's talking about getting rid of the stuff in the silver. You know, we're, we're often told that we're going to go through a fire one day. Uh, we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and only what's done for Christ will last. Well, it's the same thing here. He says, listen, if you want to live for the Lord, you'll have to get rid of the wood, hay, and stubble. Wood and hay doesn't go in. If, if, if I bought my wife a beautiful diamond bracelet, or, or not diamond, because I can't afford diamond, silver, I can afford silver, a beautiful silver bracelet, and she looked in it, and it had a piece of hay in it, I, of course, would say, that's because when we first met, we were in a barn and we had hay. And, and I would make something up real good because it was on sale and I bought it cheap uh, because it had the hay in it. But, but the, the truth is, she would think, why is there hay in the silver? Why do I have a, hey, listen, God says this, if any man therefore purge himself. You know what purging means? You young people know what purging is? I'm from, I got saved in El Dorado, Arkansas. And, and we have things down there called crawfish. Anybody, any young people know what a crawfish is? We call them crawdads sometimes when you're real country. And we eat them. We, we, we take them, we boil them, we take them, pop their, turn the tail and twist it off, put it in our mouth. Some of you guys, ladies, are looking like that's okay. They look like that at my church too when I talk about it. You pinch the tail and then you pull the, the meat out of there and then you suck the body and you just go, wow, that was terrific. But you don't do that right away. When you, when, you, when you get the crawfish, they're alive, right? You go buy them at the store. You don't want to buy dead crawfish, or you can buy frozen ones. But down in Louisiana and Arkansas, we buy them live. We take them and put them in this big, giant pot, and we pour salt all over them. You know what they do? They start throwing up the impurities, the dirt. They're called purging the crawfish. And they will get rid of the dirt. The Bible says, if any man therefore purge himself. Now, you ladies, stop looking at me like that. If any man therefore purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Sanctified. You know what sanctified means? Cleaned up. Meat for the master's use. You understand that we are not meat for the master's use if we have the impurities in our heart? If we don't purge those regularly, you know, the Bible tells us uh, in, in 1 John 1, 9, man, I, I don't know how I'm forgetting all these wonderful verses I've spent so much time in Bible college memorizing. In 1 John 1, 9, and, and all of us, you guys are all already quoting it in your mind and wondering how I could have forgotten it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's, that 1 John's written this believers. And so to get rid of the impurities, we have to confess it. And then he'll forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so why aren't people surrendering anymore, Brother Morasco? I don't know what your altar call will be like. After this message, everybody's going to come. I, I know that. Uh, but before this message, you might have all stayed back. Now you'll, you'll totally be a misfit if you don't come down to the altar after this. But listen, why is it? 
that we don't have anybody surrendering their life. Brother Marasco, when's the last time any of these adults have come to you and said, man, I surrendered my life today? And it might just be to uh, make the coffee. And I'm being kind of silly, but it might be, you know, I, I've told the Lord today I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna be a soul winner. I told the Lord today that I am gonna be a missions giver, that I am gonna be faithful. I told the Lord today that I, that I am gonna be a tither. You know, those are all surrender items. You don't just start tithing; you have to surrender your your money to God. You don't just start going soul winning; you have to surrender your time to God. You don't just surrender to, to anything, and you have to. You don't just do anything; you got to surrender to it. When's the last time you surrendered your life to God? You see, God doesn't want your money today. He wants you to get in the bowl. When that offering bowl came by, he wants you to get inside. He wants your heart inside of it. And if your heart's not inside it, nothing else goes inside of it. He said, why are you saying this dust? Well, if any man therefore purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified to meet for the master's use. Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come for the vessel for the finer. When's the last time you surrendered? Now, I've already told you a little bit about me. I, well, I went to teen camp that year, Brother Marasco. Before I got on the bus that night, I was still, I was a bartender at Applebee's when I got saved. I started doing drugs at 11. I started going to jail at 13. My mom and dad were drinking in my house my whole life. He was a military man. They were, they were just partiers. Now, bless God, they both got saved after me. And my dad's in heaven today. My mom's in my church now. She, they love the Lord and God does miracles. But listen to me. I, I was really up against it. 31 years old, I was putting guns to my head. I was tired of life. I, I, worked, I, I bartended on the beaches of Monterey, California, and, and big establishments making $400 a night bartending, and it would be gone the next day because I had bad habits. And when, when those boys showed up and knocked on my door, it changed my life, and I started trying to quit, but they said, I want you to go to camp. And when I went to camp, Cecil Ballard preached, and I remember sitting in the back thinking I could, I wish I could have done something with my life. It's, it's funny, I'm 51 years old, but at 31, I thought I had no chance in life, and life was over. It's the way it is, is it, 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 without Christ, and the devil lies to us even when we get Christ, and we think we're washed up. You know what our churches are full of? They're full of people that God told to do something, and they surrendered and never did it, and they live in their, they live like they defeated the rest of their Christian life because they just didn't do it. What do you do? Well, ain't nothing to it but to do it. Learned that one in Philly with some black guy. Hey, it's a good thing. Hey, listen to me. When, when, when God brought me to that camp that year, Brother Morasco, I remember just, I remember there was a sign in the back that said, Trinity Baptist College, Arlington, Texas, Bob Smith. And I thought, man, I wish I could have went to Bible college. That would have been cool. I wish I could have got a wife, and I wish I could have done right. And I'm with the teenagers, and I'm thinking I'm just there for them. They just brought me here to be a counselor to them, so this is just for them. But it wasn't true. They, they, they sabotaged me. They got, they got me out of Arkansas and got me into some preaching. And we'll thank God for it. And, and I've been to teen camp every year of my life since, Brother Morasco. I never met. I got teen pastors. They say, are you going? I go, what do you mean am I going? Are you going? I'm not going to let you go. I'm the one taking the teenagers. I'm going all the time. And, and so at that camp, he preached a message on burn the plow. I thought, man, I'm going to burn the plow. I'm going to do something for God. I'd been contemplating in my mind, Lord, I wish I could do something. And all week long, the preacher started getting me morning and night. And I started thinking, man, I, I think I can do something for him. Man, he, they didn't ask me there to be a counselor. They asked me there to hear the word of God. And it started changing my life. 
And I began to, and Brother Fowler was funny, but he had really good content. That Bible man was so awesome. Those stories, Brother Morasco, I thought that's unbelievable. Preacher, my preacher had preached a message a couple weeks before we went to camp. And I'm going to misquote the verse, but it says it's better to not vow a vow than to vow a vow and not keep it. And I remember him saying that, and I thought, you know, and he would say stuff, why don't people vow vows anymore? And he said, because they know they won't keep them. They're not intending to keep them. They won't come down and make a vow to God, a promise to God. And it's, it's character is what it is. We become characters instead of having character. And, and, and so I was in that service, Brother Morasco. It was Thursday night. We go home. We go home on Friday. Man, at the end of that service, it's an open-air tabernacle, so that means there was a roof but no walls. And I got up, and I said, I'm going down there, and I'm giving my life to God. There's teenagers everywhere. I got on the outside in the dirt to walk around all the kids to get down to the front, and I said, Lord, you'll help me. I'll never go into another bar again. I'll never drink another drink again. I'll never steal again. I'll never touch another woman again till I marry her. I'll never do any drugs ever again. Lord, I need you to help me. I had, I had done it the day before I went to camp. I said, God, please, I'm bowing a vow to you right now, Lord. Please help me. Please. And, man, I'm, I'm having an old-fashioned snot slinger. I'm talking about, like, I got down, and it was crazy, Brother Marasco, how God was working on my heart. And, and, and it, was, it wasn't just, like, 10 seconds and, and let's get up. And, and God moved, and when I got up, all the men in my church had their hands on me. And I looked over, and in the middle, all the kids are looking for counselors. They're all over there with me. <laughs> kids like, I need a counselor. And they're all over there with me. And I went back to my seat. I said, I'm going to do something for God. I didn't know it was possible until I had been there that week. And, and man, I went back to my bunk, and Brother Paul, the, 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 the youth pastor, was in the bunk next to me, and Brother Andy Reese was above me, and he was visiting from out of town. And, and, and I said, Brother Paul, I don't know if my mom and dad are saved. He goes, Bert, you got to go get him. Paul's 22-year-old youth pastor. He's my assistant now. He's 41 years old now. Uh, and then and he says, you got to go get him. And I said, man, i got to talk to him. i got to talk to him. I'm going to do something for God. And that day, the next day, we get on the bus 12 hours back to Arkansas. I took that King James Bible, and I opened it up. I said, I'm going to start reading this Bible. I didn't talk to any kids at that moment. I was the counselor of the week that week. They gave me a, they gave me a trophy. I had so much fun. I I honestly didn't want to go home. I thought, Lord, don't, I don't want to go home back to that place. I want to go back to those Mardi Gras beads and those videos and that burnt carpet and all the stuff in my apartment, the nastiness and the smell of alcohol and, and nasty. I mean, it was, it was terrible in that apartment. And, and we're driving back and open up that Bible, man, and we got a 12-hour ride. And I got, I got way into the Bible. I was like into uh, Leviticus when it was all said and done. I remember getting to, to, to Joseph in, 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 uh, in, in Genesis, whatever it is, 37 or 40 or whatever. And I remember standing up on the bus looking at Brother Paul. I said, Brother Paul. He's way in the back with the kids. He's a youth pastor. I said, you ever hear of this guy named Joseph? He goes, Burton, Joseph was the man. And I thought, he was the man. Unbelievable. And now when people ask me about Joseph, you know what I say? The, the real pastoral life. Now he was the man. Joseph was the man, and, and I remember getting to, to the, to the, the uh, uh, where they, they parted the Red Sea, and, and I remember thinking, man, it wasn't a movie. I watched a Charlton Heston movie as I was growing up called the, 
the Ten Commandments. That's good, yeah. And 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 and, and listen, I thought it's not just a movie. It's, that, that really happened. You're telling someone never been to church in their life, and I began to think this is unbelievable. And, and boy, the plagues and and everything that would happen. I mean, I was way into it. It got dark, and we didn't have these nice phones where we got, you know, we had flip phones. There was no flashlight on it, and they were big. And, 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 and man, I had to close my Bible, and I thought, man, I wish I could read that more. I got back to my house that night, and I said, you know what? I'm going to my mom's. Drove over there, knocked at my mom's house at 1 o'clock in the morning. She was, son, what are you doing? She just waking up. I said, Mom, God changed my life. She was, son, you can go back to your, you can stay in the back bedroom back there. I, said, I grabbed her. I said, Mom, no, he changed my life. And she said, son, go to bed. You know, my mom had heard that my whole life. She bailed me out of jail many times. She, I stole all her stuff in 94 to get crack cocaine, emptied their whole house at 24 years old, stole everything they had. Seven years later, I'm telling her my life's changed again, and she doesn't understand. But camp changed my life, Brother Morasco. I went back home the next day. I had many people come over to my house, and we filled dumpsters up of Mardi Gras beads and video sets. And, and I was ashamed to show them, but I said, I got to get this stuff out of my house. Would you know it? That's a Saturday. On Monday, the landlord called and said, Burton, we never gave you a place with new carpet when you moved in. There's one right across the street, a brand-new apartment if you want it. I'm like, man, I'll take it. It's so amazing, the new life. I go to that new apartment. My neighbor comes up one day. I win him to Christ. I start reading my Bible. I'm, uh, it's amazing what happened. All because I surrendered. When's the last time you surrendered? I, I, I can go through time after time after time. Philadelphia. I, I surrendered my life to the Northeast. Charlie Clark came and preached, and, and, and it was the first year of Bible college, or second year of Bible college, and, and he said there's no churches in the Northeast. Between Boston and Washington, D.C., there's a 400-mile radius there, and there's 75 million people living in it, and there are no churches. He said there's churches, but there's not very many. And it happened to me again, Brother Marasco. I, I, I can see you guys are front row seaters too, but I sit right here all the time, and, and, uh, and I came down, and I got on my face, and, man, I, 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 I ruined the carpet that day. No joke, red carpet. I ruined it with my tears and with everything else that was coming out. And I said, God, I'll go. I don't want to go. I want to stay in Arkansas, but I'll go, Lord. If you want me to go to the Northeast, I'll surrender my life right now. I'll go. I walked out the side door because I was so embarrassed and had so much stuff on my face and got in the bathroom, got cleaned up, went to my wife who had graduated already. She was the president's secretary of the Bible college, Judson Mitchell. And she said, uh, and, and maybe some of y'all remember Brother Mitchell. He was there at House Anderson for years. Brother Mitchell, a care cut to me. I said, honey, I surrendered to go to the Northeast. Hurt, so glad. She was a Jersey girl. She goes, I would have stayed in Arkansas with you, but I'm so glad. We began to pray and ask God, and then this, those, I get on, I get getting ready to graduate college, and I'm in 2008. Everybody knows I'm going to Philly three years later. I'm on deputation for Philly and don't know where I'm going. People are asking, where are you going in Philadelphia? I'm like, I don't know. They go, well, you're called there? I say, yeah, I am. I know I'm going somewhere. And then Dominic Penichetti called me one time, and, and it's, uh, this is 08. This is August of 08. And he says, and he's a South Philly Italian. And he's about this tall, about 300 pounds. And he looks like he's in the mafia. He's like, yo, Brother Gates, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing good, Brother Pinchetti. How you ever meet Brother Pinchetti? And he, I said, I'm doing great, Brother Pinchetti. He goes, Brother Gates, there's some 
there's a building opening up. Do you know any black or Spanish people want to start a church? I said, no, sir, no, sir. He goes, well, my kids don't want to take it. My son, none of them want it. So uh, I just thought I'd ask you, but maybe, Brother Gates, God wants you to take it. And I said, Brother Pinachetti, if the Lord wills, I'll take it. And you listen to me now, and I'm almost done, so please don't, don't, don't shut down here, but it's very important you hear this because this is where we're at today in our Christian lives. I said, if the Lord wills, I would take it. And it sounded really cool. But in my mind, Brother Morasco, I already knew it was not the Lord's will for me to take it. In my mind. So it's an easy statement to say. Now, everybody listen to me now. It's an easy statement to make if the Lord wills. But if you're not willing to pray about the Lord's will, that's when it becomes easy. And, and so uh, a few months later, I'm traveling around raising money for the deputation. I, I go to uh, a, a place in Glen Olden right outside of Philly. I'm preaching in that church. And, uh, uh, and then I go to Brother Pinachetti's church, and I'm preaching there the next Sunday. And I go on a Saturday. He goes, Brother Gates, you want to go look at those buildings? I'm like, they're still open. He goes, yeah, isn't that beautiful? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's beautiful. So we get in the car, and we drive over there, and we get out. Guys, I'm not kidding. It looks like you pour trash. Uh, today, it still looks like they just take trash bags and throw it away. And, and it's a socialistic neighborhood. That's why they, they don't care what they throw on the ground and different things. And there's heroin bags on the ground. There's people twitching. There's, there's, there's guys. You guys saw that picture, that black guy doing this? That's right across the street from the church. He was on heroin. He, they, they just start, their heart slows down. And, and it's everywhere. And I get out the, the car and look at it. And Brother Pinchet says, Brother Gates, isn't this beautiful? And that's how the Italians talk. And I go, oh, man, this is awesome, Brother Pinchet. If the Lord wills, I'll do it. But in my heart now, I'm not lying. Because I, 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 honestly, you gotta look, you got to dissect what I'm saying to you. I knew it wasn't the Lord's will. God wants me to pastor people that look like you people. And God wants me to pastor where, where nice old ladies come up at the end of the service with coconut cream pies and pinch my cheek and say, we love you, pastor. And that's what God's plan was for my life. And, and, and so I preach in Brother Penichet's church the next day. Matter of fact, Paul's with me. My, my, assistant, the, the, my assistant now, he's with me. We're looking at it. We get back in the car. I look at him. I go, there ain't no way. I mean, there ain't no way I'd move to this place. I mean, because it, 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 it's sick. It's literally sickening. Not for me now. It's the grace of God. I love it. But anybody that comes, he wasn't, he's not messing with you when he wondered if he was safe. There's not a person that's ever come to that place wondering if they're safe. Uh, it, it happens. In, and so the next day I'm preaching and I get through with the message. When they introduce me, Brother Pinachetti says, this is Brother Gates, a church plant in Philadelphia. He's thinking about going to those buildings on Indiana Avenue. And I promise you, 150 people went, like, they're like, wow. I walk up, preach the message that I'm preaching right now, Brother Morasco, without this, without this illustration, saying, man, we surrender our life to what God wants. I said, Brother, I said, I, after I got through, it's, it's funny, I'm preaching the exact same message. I'm standing at the end, and it's over, and some black guy walks up to me with a tear in his eyes and says, I think God sent you. He's about 50 years old. I think God sent you here for us. I go, wait, tell him how. He goes, you see the group of eight people over there, Puerto Rican black people, right in the middle of an Irish-Italian church? Yeah, I see him. He goes, we're from that old Bible church that shut down over on Indiana Avenue, and we've been waiting for someone to come pastor. 
take the church. And I said, well, brother, if the Lord wills, I'll do it. He walked away. I went over to Brother Paul, the piano, Paul's a music guy. I said, Brother Paul, you ain't going to believe it. This black guy just came up to me and said that he thinks God sent, sent me here for him. He's from that old church. And Paul goes, uh-oh. I go, uh-oh, nothing. Uh-oh, nothing, Brother Paul. There ain't no way. See, I never prayed about it. I just assumed it wasn't the will of God. Hey, missions, you ain't got to pray about it. You can just assume $5 is what God wants you to give. But I, I, and I've heard some people's feelings through the years at my church. Five dollars might be what he needs to give. Five dollars ain't faith for anybody in this room that's grown. It's not. It, it's not faith. It's not praying. It's not the Lord's will. God wants to do something supernatural with you. So fast forward about two months later, I'm back up in Maryland preaching a tent meet with my father-in-law, my pastor, Brother Weedo. We go to Philly. I show him those buildings. He looks at it. I'm thinking he's going to say, there ain't no way. He looks at it, and he goes, Brother Burton, this is beautiful. But he's country. He's like, this is, he used the same word. God worked on me with these same words. And I go, I'm in the back of the van. I go, what? He goes, they're sheep without a shepherd. You get that building, you'll be ahead of the ministry 10 years. I'm, and I'm thinking, he's lost his mind. He's from Arkansas. He's obviously something's happened to him. Kara's right next to me. My father-in-law is driving the van. Dale's in the back bouncing around, uh, two years old. I'm like, so we go back, and Brother Weedo's going to preach that night at this tent meet. It's the last night, Friday night. I'm sitting on this side this time on the front row where everybody in here likes to sit from now on, on the front row. And he starts preaching the message on Isaiah 5 or 6, the wild grapes. And I'd been traveling around my preacher so much, I'd heard him preach that message several times. And so I kind of shut down. I stopped listening to him. And then God starts showing me that guy, Tony Davis. And then God sent you here for me. Then he starts showing me those kids in the park playing, that guy twitching, the drug dealers going in and out of the car. God says, Burton, if I can't get you to go, who's going to go? Now, listen to me. Here's the thing. I, I was raised on a military base my whole life. We never learned, I never learned prejudice. My mom and dad weren't raised like that. When they got in the military, things changed for them. Everybody was everybody. Black, white, Spanish, didn't matter. I had, I, I can hoop them up with the best of them. I mean, I, I, was, I, 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 I hung out with everybody. And when I got saved in Arkansas, I started hanging out with all white people because it's segregated there. And, and I'd forgotten where I was from, Brother Morasco. And God's like, I'm thinking I can't go to this place because they're all brown. And God starts reminding me how I grew up. My mom and dad used to say, son, do you have any white friends? And not because they didn't like my friends. They just thought, it's funny how he always comes home with black and Spanish people. And, and, and I said, uh, God started speaking to me. He said, Bert, if I can't get you to go, who's going to go? And I said, you know what? I, I'm going to surrender. I got on my face that night. I talked about that video, man. That when it was over, I was still on my face. Surrendered my life. That neighbor went to Brother Weedo and said, Brother Weedo, I surrender my life tonight to that neighborhood. Burton, I knew you would. I go, you did? He goes, yeah. And so 13 years later, they've gotten saved. They're the best. They're the best people in the world. I wouldn't trade my folks for anybody. They're not mine, but I get to pastor them. God's changed so many lives because of one decision, Brother Morasco. Not that I'm anybody, because listen to me, my kids know me best. If my wife or kids were here and they had to get up and give testimony, you'd hear a lot of things about a messed up daddy. 
But you'd always hear that my dad always apologizes and always gets right, and he does want to walk with God, and he does want the Lord's will, and he does want to be a church planner. Today, I just want to ask you, when's the last time you surrendered? So we look at Genesis or Matthew chapter number 27, verse number 32, and I'm going to fast forward through it real quick. The, the Savior of the world is carrying a cross. He's been beaten. He's been battered. You can see his insides. And listen to me. He's God now. Hey, listen to me. He's the same God that parted the Red Sea. He's the same God that healed the blind, caused the, uh, the lame to walk, that caused the deaf to hear. He's the same God that caused some of your family to be healed from cancer and stuff like that, miracles. Same God carrying the cross. And it looks like he's not going to make it. And if you read commentaries, they'll mislead you sometimes, oftentimes. And it says that they thought they weren't going to be able to get him up there and he was going to die before they could get him up there and crucify him. And they really wanted to crucify him. And so they got over to this guy named Simon and says, you need to help him carry that cross. But brother, I don't believe that, brother Sam. I, I believe this. I believe God looked at Simon and Cyrene in the eyeballs and looked at him. And God didn't need, God could have put that cross on his finger and walked up the hill with beat, no matter how he was. He was God. He didn't need 12 legions of angels to come get him off the cross. He could have got off the cross. He was, he's the leader of the angels. But instead, the God came and gave his life for you and me. He's carrying that cross, and he looks at Simon, and he, his eyes contact Simon's. I believe it with all my heart. The greatest thing God ever gave me, Brother Sam, is this message, this, just this thought. And he didn't need Simon, but he wanted Simon. And listen, he doesn't need you for missions. Well, you sitting here is obvious that he wants you for missions. He doesn't need you to go knock a door, but he wants you to. He didn't need Sam Marasco to pastor his church, but he wanted him to. He didn't need Burton Gates to go to Philadelphia, but he wanted him to. There's a, there's a saying in, in a, you, the You Fall a Boys Ranch in Oklahoma, the, the man named Dave Brown said, says, on the banner it says, I want to be used the way God intended to use me first. You see, God wants to use you, but, but if you won't surrender, he can't use you. And God didn't need Simon the Cyrene to carry that cross, but I imagine he got under that cross, and I can see him just bloody and battered and bruised and nasty. I can just see old God just winking at Simon. We got this. Get, help me get it on up the hill, son. And Simon the Cyrene saw that. And listen, today he died for you. If someone walked in this church right now, and I'm, I'm hoping to God we're in Indiana. This is a, a very, uh, I believe that this is still a conservative state for the most part. I hope somebody in here is carrying guns. But if someone walked in here today with a gun, says, I'm going to kill everybody, and I stepped up, and many of us would, and said, no, no, just, just kill me and let them go, please. i do it right for these right here. Just let me go. I'm going to heaven anyway. Just let me go. Let them go, but kill me. You know, you guys would never forget me. You, you, you might go home tonight and thank me still, like, if I could hear you. Like, Bert, if you can hear me, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Uh, you kids would tell your grandkids about a man named Burton Gates who one day stood up for me and said, I'm going to give my life for them. Hey, you know that this ain't no fairy tale about Jesus. 500 people saw him raised from the dead. Hey, today, God loves you, gave his life for you. Why won't you surrender everything to him today? Mr. Morasco, will you come to the piano? Why don't you surrender everything to God today?
the, the missions. I'm not trying to play on the heart, folks. I'm just telling you about take away the draws from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Maybe we need to get down to the altar and say, God, empty me of me. And then ask God what he'd have you to do with your life. God can't give you a clear and present picture of what he wants you to do if you're still in there wanting to do what you want to do. It's very simple. It's real simple stuff. Kids will do it. Teenagers will do it. But I'm telling you, altars are dried up from adults doing it. God might want you to do something impossible. And Philly was impossible, Brother Marasco. I was scared. When I got in that moving truck, I thought, what am I doing? When I showed up, some drug addict asked me to unload the truck. I'm like, no, I'm fine. We stayed in that house. They started shooting. People got, a guy got killed on my doorstep the week, the week after we moved in. God said, Burton, I called you there. Now trees are blooming, music's playing, lives are changing, kids are running, and it's all because of God and because of a surrender moment. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for your love for us. Lord, I pray that there's anybody in this room today that's not saved, never has called out on you to be their saviors, never trusted in what you did on that cross that today they would come forward and let somebody talk with them. Lord, I pray for every adult, every child in this room, that they make a surrender. Lord, for every person in this room to give a faith promise offering, whether it be kids giving a quarter, a dollar, or two dollars, whether it be adults just saying, Lord, whatever you want, I do. And Lord, I pray for you to move in a mighty way. Lord, help us to surrender our lives today, fresh and anew, for what you did on that cross for us. You didn't need us, but you wanted us. And Lord, without that thought, it, we're really all destined to, to, to fail in the flesh. But Lord, you didn't, you, he didn't carry it. You carried it for him, Lord. So help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet right now. And listen, I'm serious about this. Why don't you come down to the altar right now, you young people especially. Come on down here. And folks, just start stepping out right now. And come down to this altar and ask God to help you. Everybody ought to come to the altar and pray and thank God for what you got. He, you, we didn't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to have anything. I'm not here to try to talk you out of your money. I'm here to try to talk you into giving your heart to the Lord today. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. And if you'll allow him to power your life, if you'll allow him to work through you, he'll do some great things through faith promise. They gave to their power and beyond their power, the Macedonian church. And so that's not money. That's Why don't you give beyond your power today of your life? I can't do it, Lord. I can't do it, Brother Burton. But God can do it, and he wants to do it. So allow him to work in your life. Thank you. 
Take some time. We're in no hurry. Spouses with each other, families together, friends with each other. Ask the Lord to help you surrender. Most importantly this morning, is there somebody here who say, Pastor Sam, I'm not sure that if I died that heaven would be my home, but I'd like to get that settled. I'd like to get that settled. Anybody at all, would you, would you slip your hand up so that I can pray for you? Anybody at all, slip your hand up right now. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Let's get it settled. Life changes when that surrender happens. You start seeing victories you never knew possible. All right, let's sing a stanza, the invitation song here. I surrender all. I'm sorry, Jesus, I love, love thee, page 86. My Jesus, I love thee, I know. Thou art mine, for Thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art Thou, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis thou.